0: and I consider him a very special guest and as I said I, he has a remarkable story anthony gang and what's so interesting about it is that he is not a bitter man um after being in uh incarcerated and uh incarcerated and then put in solitary confinement uh for for many uh for many years and i just i, I First of all, the thought of um, being uh, in, this, uh, in a situation like this is something that I can't even comprehend. And uh, with that, I'd like to welcome my uh, guest... Uh, I have Anaka. Is it Anaka? Annika. I Annika. I'm sorry. Annika O'Melia. She's a therapist, and she is a founding member of the Section 1983 Project, and we're going to be talking about that. And we have Anthony Gay. He grew up in Rock Island with uh, Annika and Annika, and um, he has a hell of a story. Welcome to the show. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your story
1: Um, I appreciate um, being here And I want to send a shout out to um, Karen Hicks From A Few Good Women, Brother Hall For helping initiate me getting here
0: Absolutely, and I I just met P. Ray for the first time And uh, so I was happy to meet her So Anthony, what happened? How did you end up And I know that this is a long story Mm -hmm. But you were originally um, arrested for a traffic infringement of some kind?
1: Um, It was a street fight. Um, I had a street fight with a guy, and he lost a dollar and a hat. And I ended up being arrested and charged with aggravated battery and robbery. And I was informed that the aggravated battery was a class one and the robbery was a class three. So in Illinois... Over
0: a dollar and a hat?
1: Over a dollar and a hat.
0: And how old were you at that time?
1: Um, 20.
0: You were 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, tell me this. What is it like growing up in Rock Island? At, or what was it like growing up at, in Rock Island at that time, a 20-year-old black man? And what were you doing with your life at that time?
1: Um, I would say at that time I was pretty much... Trying to find myself, mm-hmm. um, not sure where I was in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, as we all know, um, the American history is hidden. So I didn't really know about my past, um, my ancestors, anything. So I was I was like lost, trying to find myself and running the streets and end up having a street fight, and the guy lost a dollar and a half. And your father, was he in the picture? Mm, yeah, my father was in the
0: picture. He was in the picture. Mm-hmm. So what was it about the streets? I mean, what, what was it? When you say find yourself, do you feel like you had the nurturing of telling you the possibilities that were available in life? Did you have that kind of nurturing from family, teachers, church, anything like that?
1: I mean, as far as my parents, um, they cared, but you you have to— take into account that I was young, my parents were older, and so the people that I ran with were in the same age bracket as me, Mm -hmm. and we identified with each other. Mm -hmm. So these same people were lost like me, right? Um, Social problems in the property-stricken neighborhoods, right, Mm -hmm. where you basically, you stand no chance. It's like what they say, um, good seeds are often stunted by poor soil. Mm -hmm.
0: You did a lot of reading in prison, didn't you?
1: Mm, yeah I had a long time to do it too yeah, right? and,
0: I mean, and how long were you told, told in total were you incarcerated um, I was
1: tortured in solitary confinement for twenty two years
0: and you how did you end up in solitary confinement
1: um another fight I had a fight off the back end of fire gallery in Menard, and um I ended up in solitary and I started deteriorating in subtle tones i couldn 't tolerate it so instead of throwing me a rope of hope and pull, pulling me out the ditch um they gave me more and more solitary confinement time. Mm-hmm.
0: And because and you're still trying to find yourself
1: and figure out how you got there in the first place, right? It's something like Gundy said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. So the experience that I suffered were horrific and tragic mm-hmm. in solitary confinement of being tortured. So I'm trying to alleviate that at the same time I'm trying to um educate and inform people in my community about section nineteen eighty three.
0: And we're gonna get into that in, and <laughs> because I think that's very important work. So I'm um Annika. An- 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 Annika. Right? I Annika, okay, I'm sorry. Annika so tell me how your life was different from his growing up in the same town.
2: Ooh, vastly different. <clears throat> I is one of the smartest people I've ever met and Uh, I I grew up... Our our town was literally divided because of redlining in our history. Um, We had above the hill and below the hill. Mm -hmm. So I grew up above the hill. Anthony grew up below the hill. Um, And, yeah, Rock Island was really segregated. We're both in our 40s. -hmm. So we actually came up at the same time in our community. Um, And I had a lot of life uh, choices because of, of being born, you know...
0: To a certain zip code.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And... I was. We were talking on the way down here about experiences with police, and the first time I ever got uh, arrested was driving to the neighborhood he lives in with a friend that I played basketball with.
0: Because um, you're a nice white girl, like you yes. didn't need to be at the bottom of the hill. And
2: I got pulled over. It was probably 1996. Uh, three cop cars came. You know, knocked on my door, but left me alone and dragged my friends out of the car with dog dogs that smelled them. Mm-hmm. Um, And I called the next day and complained about it and was told to uh, be careful where I went and who I hung out with. And this was just a girl I played basketball with that I was rolling around with. So we grew up in a town that, you know, the color of your skin and the zip code that you're born in had huge impacts on outcomes, life outcomes. Anthony should be an attorney today. Mm -hmm. Uh, He shouldn't have spent 22 years in solitary confinement
0: and I, and that happens to a lot of different people. I just didn't know that from a street fight you could end up 22 years in solitary confinement. And you speak of torture. When you talk about torture, is it the fact that you did not have human contact? Were the uh, correctional officers brutal to you? Um did you experience uh, starvation? What 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 was what what
1: constituted
0: torture for you?
1: At the outset I would say all of the above, but as we get into details, um for example, the human contact, I'd be trapped in a cell, small enough parking space, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and this happened literally for twenty two consecutive years. There was no breaks, right? Mm-hmm. Um so as they watched me psychologically Deteriate. deteriorate, Deteriorate. Um, instead of throwing me a rope of hope and pulling me out the ditch and giving me adequate mental health treatment, they would punish me and give me more segregation time, more prison time, um, and prosecute me. Now, when I talk about deteriorate, I'm talking about I'm cutting my neck, I'm cutting my arms. You
0: started cutting.
1: I'm cutting my legs, my thighs, and literally, and they would take this as You're being manipulative. They're not seeing it as I'm deprived of human contact and Mm -hmm. I need social stimulation. I need a sense of humanity. They're looking at it as you're being manipulative and you need to be punished for it. So they would put me on an unappetizing diet called meal loaf that looked like feces and tastes like dog food and um, starve me. It would deplete me of my energy, Mm -hmm. isolate me on the wing all by myself. Would they
0: medicate you?
1: mm, Yeah, sometimes they would. Um, try to drug me up, medicate me, make me a zombie, mm-hmm. strap me down, naked in a cold freezing cell. Two, three days wouldn't allow me to eat. So it, um, it was really domestic terrorism mm-hmm. um, is the best way I can describe it—a crime against humanity.
0: All right, then we have been talking to Anthony Gay. Anthony Gay spent twenty-two years
1: in solitary confinement, and this was at Menard. This was in Tam Supermax, Pontiac Correctional Center, Dixon Correctional what Center. What was? Why? Why were you moved so often? Um, they just transferred me because I, to them, it wasn't a m- mental health issue to where they needed to alleviate the psychological pain. To right. them, it, I was a problem. Okay. So they would just send me from one solitary cell to the next, from institution to institution, primarily four institutions.
0: Well, you're not very threatening to me. I mean, you're you're not the biggest guy right. in, in the world. I mm-hmm. mean, the first thing I would have said, he is struggling with his mental health. That's what I would have said. I I don't know if you know this about me, but mental health it's one of my pet projects you know i am i'm i'm in recovery i'm a recovering addict and um i've seen what mental health and poor mental health did to members of my family i mean they were alcoholics you know for the most part so that, that probably had something to do with my addiction but um and and they i mean it's a good family but these problems you know come up and so I do know I can't put my fingers on it and say definitively but I do know that they're 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 not um putting children in solitary confinement in Illinois anymore or at least they're not supposed to. Right. And um I don't know what the practices are but I've talked to Justice Watch and all of these different organizations who talk about the problems with um, being in solitary confinement, when did it hit you that this was part of the trajectory of your life? And how did you heal? How did you heal?
1: Um, I mean, the torture was repeatedly nonstop, and I came to realize their objective. For example, my 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 solitary confinement outdate was twenty one fifty two. So I come to realize that they didn't care. Um, They would sit, watch, and wait and hope that I kill myself if they didn't end up killing me. And so... Did they beat you? Yeah, they beat me up. Um, You know, they tortured me in so many different ways. Um, They had more moves than Michael Jordan in the playoffs with their torture. So the thing is, I got it in my head to where I'm not dead yet. Even Mm -hmm. after cutting my neck and Mm -hmm. blood rushing out my neck like water out a water fountain and multiple other things that I did that the average person would die so I got it in my head that God doesn't want me to die it's Mm -hmm. not my time so I came to realize Philip Yancey wrote a book it's called um, it's about the purpose of pain Mm -hmm. it's called where is God when it hurts and at Mm -hmm. one point in the book he says I strive to be grateful not for the pain itself but for the opportunity to respond to form good out of what looks bad so I got it in my head that something needs to happen bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And so I start thinking, I'm going to beat this demon. And when I get out, I'm going to throw those a rope of hope and do ev- give it everything I got to try to pull him out the ditch. Because, you know, like, there's a saying, say, democracy dies in darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, in solitary confinement, it's total darkness. You have no voice. Many of those guys are seriously mentally ill. So people can't even hear their cries because they can't articulate. So... I got it in my head when I get out i'm gonna speak up for them mm-hmm. i'm gonna fight for them, and i'm gonna do it to the day I die because this is wrong, this is horrible it's a crime against humanity, and it's domestic terrorism
0: and so- they're worried about what Putin is doing to you know this dissident over there and what's happening in China and we have these type of uh, injustices right here in this great United States oh we, we've we got a Juneteenth holiday oh wow but you still have people in solitary confinement you're still torturing, you're still killing unarmed black men and women and children on the streets mm-hmm. and, and that's what I was talking about before you guys ca- um, came on, the hypocrisy of passing a Juneteenth bill and when you contem- uh, condemn, at the same time, critical race theory. I mean, this must be very uh, frustrating for you. I mean, do you give a rat's ass about a Juneteenth holiday?
1: Mm, not in particular. Yeah, I, um, that's what I'm
0: saying. I mean, you, somebody that's been in solitary confinement, what the hell does
1: he care about a Juneteenth holiday? And it makes sense to me. Right, because it's not the holiday, it's the actions. I need i need to see action. I need to see... Um, better treatment for the people, right? So that's what my fight is all about. All
0: right, then. And we're talking to Annika Omelia, who is a therapist, and we have Anthony Gay, who spent time, 22 years, in solitary confinement. And, uh, you know, he's doing some great work. He has um, the Anthony Gay Isolated Confinement uh, Restriction. Uh, House Bill 3564 That he's trying to get passed, And we'll talk more about what that's all about But I'd like to start taking uh, A couple of these calls 773 591 I'm just having you sit here today With this picture of you And your beautiful son On your chest I just wanted to say a happy belated Father's Day And I just think this is amazing The work that you're doing Thank you so much
1: Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Let's go to Johnny. Johnny, thank you for your call. Go right ahead.
3: You are so welcome. And uh, I am my sister, Karen Hicks. She has been telling me so much about Mr. Gay and I can't wait to meet him myself. I was 14 years old when I was falsely accused of unjustly convicted and sentenced to life in prison for a double murder. I didn't commit. It took me 30 years finally to prove my innocence and come home but I understand because I was in solitary confinement mm-hmm. I was subjected to the prison life and but I made the best of it um, I'm home now 15 years I'm working and I want to let him know that God's goodness overshadows everything that we went through in our journey in life and so- I have a beautiful little five-year-old daughter good
0: for you
3: and she just takes all my little pain away yeah and I want to be one of them brothers many of us out here that have went through that and like the Marines like law enforcement like various other institutions you have to have to be with those that understand where you went what Mm -hmm. you went through and thank God for the mothers that stood by me and the grandmothers and all the women because you all are truly the diamond that uh, we cling to.
0: Let me ask you this, how long was it, Johnny, that you could talk about your experience? How long was it, or if you ever have been able to be real vocal about your experience in prison?
3: I I have, but I do it in a different way. I always find something else that relates to it. Mm find myself talking about others more than I do myself Okay. because I cannot pretend the pain is not there because it is. And one of the things is when you're still in the battle, it's kind of like it's very hard to heal. In other words, I, right now I'm in civil court uh, suing the people that did this to me mm-hmm. and they're still alive. You know, you don't have a time to um, just sit down and pause. And, right. Uh, because it's still there, yeah. you got to take a deposition here. You got to do something here, and I always tell my sister Karen, when it's finally over, I can go and to Canada or somewhere, and me and my daughter can just, I can just relax on Lake Michigan and just thank God and and just appreciate. Well,
0: you can't do that in Canada.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no I mean um, um, well, know, superior. I, I just want small I just right. need to get away yeah that's the all that's right. the main theme and but for now, I have to be in it, so my therapy is helping other people all right then. I well, speak at different yeah. elements, schools colleges
4: good for you yes
3: open this door, so there's a lot of people out here that will support us all right and,
0: listen, I gotta let you go Sean had uh, Sean Hawke says. Yes, I wonder how different their life paths were. It's amazing how bad life can be in some smaller towns with an enforced caste system. Isn't that something? What do you think about what Sean had to say, an enforced caste system? And did you know that you were living, Annika, did you know that you were, that there were some inequities? Something wasn't right. I mean, was it the experience that you had with your friend in the car, one of your Teammates, basketball teammates,
2: is that when the light bulb went off for you? I think it was little. I was younger, and it's going to sound like a stupid. No, it's not. You know, but I was a lifeguard at this pool called Longview, and it was right as you kind of went down the hill. So Mm -hmm. you were positioned on the hill, Mm -hmm. and kids from all over the city came, and it was really in just sitting on this lifeguard chair, looking at the landscape of my town, watching little kids come in to swim. And just even watching the way adults treated little kids who looked different, uh, if a a white kid was in the deep end with a pool toy, they'd say, okay, honey, you got to get out of the pool. And if a a little black kid, especially black boys, were doing the same behavior, it would be like, get your ass out of the pool, we're going to kick you out. And so I think from, I just watched how people were treated differently. And then going through junior high and high school and having friendships and connections with people I loved and respected, Mm -hmm. I recognized how many life chances i got you know just the just the i don't know it was just very apparent actually in rock yeah. island just the differences in life outcomes and um people just as talented and smart as me and motivated um we just seemed to be going down different paths and it was pretty obvious i mean it
0: <laughs> and you know you think about it because listen i i said that i was in recovery i mean <clears throat> i had done everything right mm-hmm. But the but you addiction got me, yeah, and it was later in life I'd already you know started my career in journalism, I was getting high, and all of that sort of thing, thought I was fooling everybody, and I wasn't, mm-hmm. but because of who where I came from, because I graduated from college, because I had friends that cared about me and um to. My story was a lot different. I didn't have to worry about being sex trafficked. I didn't have to worry about doing things uh, to get money, Mm -hmm. you know, that were illegal or dangerous. I didn't have to do that. But so many people, if people recognize, they're like, oh, they want to live like that. No one wakes up and says, I want to be an addict, uh, Anthony. No one says that. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, I'm going to have a fight with somebody they are going to lose a dollar and a hat And I'm going to spend the rest of my life In solitary confinement When you finally realized Where you were That they had given you an end date What in 2052 you said mm-hmm. or They 51. gave me
1: Well, well really my um, present release date Was 2096 and my solitary,
0: 2096
1: But my solitary release date was 2152
2: 100 years mm-hmm.
1: For a fight Mm-hmm so, you know, like when I went to solitary, I started deteriorating mm-hmm. instead of. Um,
0: Where like, did you know when? I mean, besides you're, you're cutting yourself, um, doing self-harm, what were the thoughts in your head? What what, what things did you
1: think? I of? mean, I was angry because I was doing other things, too, like throwing liquids out the side of the door, um, water, urine, stuff like that. And it would get on the officer leg. Right. So that's why Good. they gave me 100 years. And they pro- they actually prosecuted me. They took me to court had a jury trial, and prosecuted That was me, considered assault. Right, repeatedly. Of a police officer. Yeah, over and over. But it was symptoms. Of, you know, it's like they put me in an environment that's psychologically darkening the inside of a cow. Mm-hmm. And so it's eat me inside out. So instead of them saying, we need to alleviate this problem, they turn up the value yeah, on ex- the punishment. they
0: exacerbated the yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about this. I mean, what kind of therapy do people like Johnny... And and do you ever, I mean, are you in therapy now? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm in th- I got a great therapist. And
0: you're going to be in therapy for the rest of your life, right? Probably so. I, I wish I was still in therapy. I mean, it really is healing. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's, I want you to talk about that. And we're putting a human face on solitary confinement, what it does to an individual and how law enforcement is able to get away with this. And that's why we're going to talk about the Section 1983 initiative. Uh, that Anthony has put together it is phenomenal and this goes along with qualified immunity and and all of this I I am so excited to have you here and yes, his shirt says back up a little bit because people were asking father of a prince and his name is Anthony Jr. what a cutie patootie there he's really (laughs) cute All right, let's go to Steve from the Gold Coast oh, before we go to Steve uh we have so many of you that are 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 listening. We've got Darlene Connard who's listening in Florida. Um uh you were terrorized in Michigan and Illinois, right? No, Illinois. In Illinois. But mm-hmm. were you in Michigan? Mm-mm. You weren't. Okay. Just Illinois, uh Nippy Elizabeth Virtual and let's see. Uh got some more comments here. That uh, are really interesting We really have to make sure this story is consistently told We must not stand for acts of violence against us uh, And be shoved under the rug That's by Sherry Britton from A Few Good Women And we also uh, Pamela Solomon says Speak Brother Gay, come on Well you haven't heard it yet So let's go to Steve Steve, thank you for your patience Go right ahead
5: uh, yes, I want to make a couple of points. Uh, one, I absolutely agree with you with regard to the Juneteenth thing. I mean, Steve, holidays. Okay. I mean when, when, when was the last time anybody sat around on Labor Day and did any thinking about what it, the holiday represents? No, right. we break out the grill, we break out the beer, and we go to a ball game. And the same thing Memorial Day, Fourth of July, virtually any other holiday – we, we regard it as a day off if you get it off, right? And, th- and that's assuming how this one will be celebrated. So, if you're a state or federal employee, maybe you're going to enjoy a day off. But are you are you going to sit there and ponder what the day represents? No, we're Americans. We don't tend to do that. Well, we I can say this. Off.
0: I can say this, Steve. From what I saw around the country. Uh, For this first Juneteenth holiday, it was a day of purpose. But what you're saying is eventually it won't be purposeful. It'll be another day off.
5: This first year, absolutely. I think that there's a focus that won't exist. And even this year, I mean, the vast majority of Americans simply had other things on their minds as opposed to this holiday. But again, it's, it's a way to placate people as opposed to actually addressing the substantive issues that need to be addressed. When I was in graduate school, it took us over a year to get Cook County Jail to let us in there so that we could examine the facilities and get an idea of what the criminal justice system involves. And we knew that they were going to give us a show. Basically, you know, you weren't going to see the worst sides of this. And it it is just mind-boggling to be a free human being to go in there and to hear those gates shut and to know that you're locked up in there. Even if, even though you're not an inmate, that you're there, yeah. And I can only imagine what it's like to be a human being, and then not to be just in Cook County Jail, but to be locked up in a maximum security facility and to be put into isolation, which, by the way, violates international standards of human rights. That's right. And you know that, and and we, and and the international community has been taking us to task on this for decades. We as Americans, we just tend to ignore it. And if I'm thoroughly convinced, that if you could get most Americans. Just a few hours behind bars in America, in a real jail, in a real prison, you would have real reform. But right now, you know, we're divorced from it. It's like, no, those are the bad people. They deserve what they get. No, we don't send people to prison for punishment. We send you to prison as punishment. It doesn't mean that when you're there, you should. You have uh, the other people have a right to abuse you, and the staff has a right to. You still have rights, and you still have uh, some basic sense of human dignity. And by the way, the countries in the world that have less crime and less recidivism. They treat people better. And in, in Western Europe, the prisons are actually a decent place. And when people get out, they don't tend to come back because of that.
0: All right, then. Thank you, Steve. appreciate you. But I'm talking to a young man, Anthony Gay. And, Anthony, I'm going to ask you again uh, so you can hear this. Where do you live now?
1: Rock Island, Illinois.
0: And why did you stay in Rock Island?
1: Um, be- Because there's a problem in Rock Island, Um, just like there's a problem all across the nation, And I didn't want to run from the problem. I wanted to address it and help offset it.
0: So tell us about the Section 1983 initiative.
1: All right, well, when I was in prison, um, I learned about Section 1983. Now, most people don't know about Section 1983, but basically Section 1983 is a means to be compensated for police abuse, for um, correctional officer abuse, local government abuse. So black people, as we know, were brought to America as slaves. Well, slavery was abolished, and after slavery was abolished, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment was created for black people. Uh-huh. Um, so, I've,
0: And there are white people right now that are using 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment to keep them out of prison for drug sales. That's what the lawyers do now.
1: Right. So, um, well, the Confederate states didn't want to um, concede that blacks were no longer slaves. Mm-hmm. So... They would lock them up for like what they call black codes, basically for crimes for being black, um, and then like try to make them sign um, these contracts to where they would get low wages, or to where they'll be forced to work. And then if they didn't do it, they would just basically lock them up and in they'd be forced to work for free. Right, right, in right. servitude. Mm-hmm. So the states weren't doing enough. They had they had laws in theory, but in practice, from a practical standpoint. They weren't um, effective or being used to offset what the constitutional violations. So what Congress did in 1871, they enacted the Ku Klux Klan Act, which the first section was Section 1983, specifically made for African Americans, because Section 1983, it doesn't create rights. It's a means to enforce your rights. Okay. So— you can actually, like if the police um, rob you, like they illegally seize your money, illegally seize your phone, Mm -hmm. um, beat you up, falsely arrest you, you can sue them um, under Section 1983. Now many people in our community are unaware. They think that you have to be killed by the police or things of that sort Uh to be able to sue and be compensated for that abuse. And addition, there's no real accountability. So I come to realize Here's the means to offset the police abuse. Here's the means to be compensated for the police abuse. Here's the means to hold the police accountable. Now, many people speak to qualified immunity, which needs to be dismantled. Mm. Nevertheless, the when people are abused by the police, the more people file sexy 1983, the more we can water down the qualified immunity. So my thing was... Many people don't know how to bring a Section 1983. They don't even know how to, like, put the facts together for a Section 1983. So we created Section 1983 initiative to inform, to educate, make people aware. So let's say someone contacts us and say, well, the police robbed me. Um, They illegally seized my money on my phone, Mm -hmm. on my car, what or what not. Well, we'll help them put a summary together, and then we'll send it to an attorney to look at and ask attorney, is this a case they would take, whether it not. And the attorney decided to take it. Now, we just started it, and we got somebody, an attorney already. Um, and I'm starting my hometown of Rock Island, right. and we expect it to spread across the whole nation.
0: That is incredible. And you have a book. Tell our listeners about your book.
1: Um, I wrote a book called Rope of Hope. Basically, um, it's an inspirational book where um, I basically talk about um, – thinking positive instead of thinking negative, and instead of seeing something as a problem, see it as an opportunity. Um, because perception to me, what's big is something big for me. I think your perception play a big part in the decisions you make. So there's a lot of problems, in which I know, but instead of seeing it as a problem, I see it as an opportunity to make a difference, and internally that drives me. Mm-hmm. If I'm just complaining all the time and looking at like Problem, 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 I can't never get it, then it's going to affect how I react. But instead of me looking like that, I look at it as like, this is going on with my people, they're doing this to my people, okay, here's an opportunity for me to make a difference, stand up, being accounted for, and help my people out.
0: You know, uh, you, during the break, you showed me the scars from where you were doing self harm. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, it's shocking. When you look at these horrific scars every day of your life, what is that like for you to know that you did that to yourself? Did you do it to yourself? Did the system make you do try to hurt harm yourself? Because they wanted you to die. They wanted you to commit suicide or something like that, mm-hmm. right? No doubt. Mm-hmm. So when you see those scars, as horrific as they are, what do you think? That you mutilated your body like that.
1: It 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 reminds me um of the torture that I went through and that um JB Prisker needs to alleviate it for those that still trapped and left there.
0: Okay, and so as a therapist, uh, Annika, what do you think about the self harm? And because this is real, this yeah. is real. I mean, in, in everyday life, I mean, we're talking wealthy 14-year-olds in their homes. You know, my mommy doesn't understand me. I'm being bullied, and they and they cut themselves. I've seen some horrific cutters, so, you know.
2: So I think for Anthony, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I'm not Anthony's therapist, right. but he's one of the most resilient humans I've ever met, and I think that um, – Anthony also is a person built for connection. I mm-hmm. mean, you should see this person connect with other humans. And our nervous systems are built for connection: eye contact, mm-hmm. vocal exchanges, holding each other, hugging. You know, we are built for that. Well, them.
0: everybody but me. I everybody have a black but heart.
2: You. Yeah, but <laughs> look at you! You're talking to people. You have warm <laughs> eyes. You're smiling. Oh, oh, you know, thank you. we as humans are built for that. And uh, I think Anthony, the part of him in solitary that self harmed, mm-hmm. was very protective it was the part that let him allow allowed him to interact with other human beings. Even if those interactions weren't great, the alternative was to be cold alone in the dark. And we are not meant for that as humans. And there's nothing rehabilitative about that. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that leaves a person better off when they leave prison, um, being alone for 22 years. It is. And so I think it is a Testament to his human spirit that you will come in here and you will interact with me. Um, if he would have just stayed there and not, you know, done any of that, he would have been completely alone. So and
0: that's what that's what you told me. You said the reason why you um, self-harmed you, I mean, as horrific as that scar is, I get it. Um, you self-harmed because that was the only way to get you out of that cell. Mm-hmm. And it was easier to hurt. You said it was easier
1: to endure that kind of pain than the mental pain. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, the physical pain alleviates the psychological pain. I developed a high tolerance for the physical pain, and I had a low tolerance for psychological pain. So when I cut on myself, it offset it. One, I've been informed that it's endorphins, cause I I would feel better when right, I do it. Right, right, And then after I'm taking out the cell, um, the nurses would touch me, and it would make me feel alive. Right. And it would make me feel cared for, and make me feel human. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and it was repeated episodes, like, for 22 years, over and over and over again. I can't believe it.
0: You know, you don't think about, uh, Annika, of black men cutting themselves. Mm -hmm. You just, you just, you just don't, you just don't think about that.
2: Well, all humans need to be loved and held and cared for. You know, that's a thing all humans have in common,
0: and uh, we're going to give you all the information and tell you where the Section 1983 initiative, uh, they have already filed for their 501C3, and after that comes out, she is go- they will be able to take your donations. Let me go to Thurgood. Thurgood, thank you for your patience. Go right ahead.
4: No, thank you. Um, this has just been a fascinating conversation appropriately on, as we celebrate and contemplate uh, Juneteenth. And I just want to applaud the courage of this young man uh, and this young, incredible courage and advocacy of this young woman. Um, uh, my my hats off to you and, and Perry for you bringing this story. But my, my my brief spin on it, if you will, is the incredible hypocrisy. Supposedly a Christian nation, um, you know, we with the, so much is you know spoken in terms of the rights of the unborn, but. And uh, uh, just very, very briefly, the, there's that thing called the, the, we speak of the least of these, our service to the least of these in Matthew 25, 33 to 46, red letter Bible for, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the theologians, where Jesus says literally we have a duty to meet the needs of the sick, the shut in, the prisoner. That's what Pope um, Francis says. Yes, so this is red-letter Bible, and and, and the penalty for not meeting the needs of the sick, the shut-in, and the prisoner was eternal damnation. I'm not, you know, I'm a heathen, but that, right. that day I was awake in church. Yeah. Okay, this is red letter Bible. So, what hypocrisy? A nation that will, uh, at a Republican party that will go out of this way to advocate against abortion, but yet will endorse every manner of abuse and the in- incarceration of people. Yeah. And just the other piece is, you know, we the, the new Jim Crow. Uh, prison is a business, What in few, no other Western industrial society allows private prisons, allows prisons to be um, traded on the New York Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange, where the privatization of prison is literally, uh, so think about it, corporations have incentive. Not to invest in education, but rather to invest in uh, the uh, things that would be encourage the prison population. States entering into contracts requiring a certain number of prisoners to be present in the, in the prison system. This is the depth of depravity yeah. of this country you at know, the present time.
0: One of the first things I told my financial planner, I said, "Do not invest." And in any um, private presence I don't care mm-hmm. how lucrative They are I just didn't feel right I said I don't want to do that I don't want uh, to be a part of it And there are other people That will sell their soul Because of the, of the profit But I couldn't I couldn't sleep at night Not, not after seeing those, those wounds On your mm-hmm. arm After seeing the wounds on his arm I, I couldn't do that mm-hmm. And, and just- it's just- and it is really, I mean, like I said, it is shocking uh, what he's been going through. So tell us it, some more about the Anthony Gay Isolated
1: Confinement Restriction Bill. Um, it's basically a bill to limit solid—you know— Albert Einstein said the difference between genius and stupidity is genius has its limits. Mm -hmm. Well, in Illinois, they have no limits when it comes to solitary confinement. They leave people there to die. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I got out of prison, I went to Springfield because there was a bill floating around, but it wasn't going anywhere. Right. So I went and talked to Representative Ford, and we came up with the idea we need to put a face on it. Mm -hmm. So now people could see that there's real people actually suffering. So we— We end up um, putting my face on the bill, um, and it's currently House Bill 3564 right now. It passed through the House. Um, It's in the Senate right now with Senator Peters, and we're trying to advocate to get it passed in the veto session in November
0: well i I can tell you both of you, thank you so much for joining us uh today and telling the story. You can give all the telephone numbers and email addresses that okay. people need to have yeah,
2: so the section nineteen eighty three initiative you can find us on Facebook and like us and if anyone wants to reach out, um just reach out directly to Anthony and his email address is anthonygay three eight seven at gmail dot com
0: write it down, Titus again,
2: yeah, Anthony Gay just like it sounds, Mm -hmm. 387 at gmail.com. And we are looking to do some major fundraising this year to advance our goals. Um, So we're getting our bank account and everything set up for the nonprofit. But if you let us know you're interested, we'll reach out to you and get you a tax write-off. I will advocate
0: for you (laughs) from now on. You have a friend in the midday show and with me, whatever I can do to help. Um, You know, I talk about elected officials like dogs until they do my will. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 I sure do. All righty then. It is eleven twenty eight. Give it, give out uh Anthony's email again.
2: AnthonyGay 387 at gmail.com. You should tell him your Frederick Douglass quote before we go. Yes,
0: tell us tell us your Frederick Douglass quote.
1: Um after escaping slavery, Frederick Douglass became a pivotal voice in advocating for citizenship for black in America. He once said Where there's no struggle, there's no progress. Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never had, and it never will.
0: That is beautiful. I actually went to his house when I went to, uh, was in Washington, D.C. It changed my life. It was amazing. He was a millionaire. He was a millionaire back then. That would be a billion dollars today. Think about it. Uh, They don't talk about the... uh, that the the wealth that they stole from African-Americans. You know the first place people get their wealth? Africa? H- homes. Oh. You can't buy a home. That's the, uh, There was a reporter on CBS this morning, and he said uh, he remembers when his father bought their first home, and that was the beginning of legacy wealth.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We didn't have those options. A lot of us didn't. God bless you for still living in Rock Island. (laughs) That's all I got to say. God bless you. How's your son doing? How's he? Oh, he's great. He's he's just doing great. And how old is he? He'll be two in September. You're a great father, great role model. Thank you both for joining us.